Pauline, give me some of your tots. I ate his liver with some fava beans. Nice candy. Combo, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy! Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Cooking Show. I'm your host, Bob, and it is 4th of July weekend. And I have a a 4th of July episode, you know, if people are going to be grilling, they're going to have the hot dogs and their hamburgers out on the grill. I got a classic uh, barbecue side dish that we're going to make from scratch, and it is baked beans. You know, I was at the store last week or the week before and, you know, just grabbed a can of Bush's baked beans and looked at the ingredients. I was like, oh, there's a bunch of garbage in here that I wouldn't put in there if I was making these at home. So I figured, hey, why not make baked beans for the podcast? All right, so take a look at the show notes. We'll have, uh, you know, there's not going to be any special ingredients or special equipment for this one. If Well, maybe if I can find the ceramic or uh, stoneware bean pots that it seems like they just handed out to everybody in the 70s. If I can find those on Amazon, I'll put a link to that. Otherwise, uh Pretty basic ingredients here. Link to the imager album for the step-by-step rundown through uh, what we actually need to make this recipe. But the main thing you need, the key, the key ingredient is patience because it takes time for dried beans to turn into edible beans. And we're going to, I mean, you can, you can speed it up. You can do like the, the quick boil or the multi-boil method. I'm sure there is like an instant pot or some sort of crock pot recipe that can speed up the the softening of the beans. I did the cold water overnight soak followed by a boil and then and then we got into the actual baking of the beans. But for this, we are going to be using dried navy beans and you could add other types of beans in there too like butter beans or I don't know, black eyed peas something, who knows, whatever you want to do. But navy beans that's what we're going to start with as our base on the spices side pretty simple a little paprika a little salt and pepper okay uh in terms of aromatics we have some yellow onion some garlic and i'm gonna toss this in with the aromatics some lemon zest kind of spruces it up a little bit gives it a little bit of lightness because you know with things like bacon and brown sugar and worcestershire sauce and a syrup or molasses it can get really heavy and if you're making this you know the middle of the summer, or even Memorial Day weekend or Labor Day weekend, it is possible that it's going to be hot, sunny, humid, and you want to lighten the recipe up a little bit. So lemon zest we're including in there. Bacon, 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 the classic pork and beans. We need some bacon there. Tomato paste, apple cider vinegar. Now, most recipes, canonically, will use brown sugar and molasses, but due to dietary restrictions, I'm using coconut sugar, and maple syrup okay and let me tell you what no, i didn't i didn't miss brown sugar and molasses coconut sugar and maple syrup was a-okay and like i said worcestershire sauce worcestershire sauce worcestershire sauce and a couple of fresh bay leaves you can use dried bay leaves but i have a bay plant you know we bring it out in the summer it sits on the porch might as well make use of this right all right like i said we're doing the cold water overnight soak method on the beans so for one pound of navy beans you're looking at six to eight cups of water in a bowl let those sit overnight 
the beans will, uh, they'll swell up a little bit. They'll absorb some of that water. They will uh, take up more volume and reduce the, the, the head water or the, what would you call it? The, the amount of water above the beans will reduce <laughs> after like 12, 14 hours, something like that. Once you've let those beans soak overnight, drain that water off, give them a rinse, and then put them into a high-sided pot and uh, cover them with water and add, you know, maybe two inches, uh, two or three inches of water above the level of the beans. And then we're going to simmer those for a solid hour. A few minutes into the simmering, uh, you might want to use a ladle to skim off some foamy bean crud that will uh, form there and then just let it simmer, um, you know, a, a, a lively simmer. You know, we don't have to go to full rolling boil, but a lively simmer that will soften those up considerably. They will not be ready yet. They'll be kind of al dente at the end of this, um, but they'll definitely have uh, become a little bit more palatable than they started off as. Once those beans are done boiling, simmering, whatever, we're going to drain those, but hold on to like maybe about two cups of the liquid that they're cooked in. That'll, I mean, it's basically a broth at that point. It's not a super flavorful broth. You know, it's just basically boiled bean water. But we're going to need that to um, hydrate the actual baked bean mix whenever we get it into the Dutch oven. Speaking of the Dutch oven, take your bacon and slice that up into reasonable size pieces. Not, you don't have to cut it into like little cubes or little squares or anything like that. Just um, you know, cut it uh, vertically along the strips into half-inch whatever, rashers, lardons, and uh, get those started in a heavy-bottomed Dutch oven, cast iron, um, uh, Dutch oven, well, I guess it is a Dutch oven, <laughs> enameled or unenameled, and we'll put it that way. Um, brown that up in there, and then whenever you're, the bacon is pretty much done, Not you don't want to go like super crispy on it, but you also don't want it to be all floppy and translucent. So once it starts to get a little color on that, dice that yellow onion and add the onion in, and we'll just sort of cook that until everything... The, the onion at least is translucent and then we'll slow down the heat on that maybe turn it down to low because this is actually going to bake in the oven i mean it's baked beans it's not stovetop beans come on get out of here so, <laughs> so we're going to prepare everything in the dutch oven and then move it off so you can cut that heat down once the um, the onion has been prepared once it has been sweated and made translucent crush and dice up your your garlic now i got these little garlic heads so i use the whole head because they're garlic from the garden if you're using like full-size regular grocery store garlic i would say two to three cloves would be sufficient um crush those up chop them up nice and fine throw them in there and then like i said the the zest of one lemon get that zested throw the zest in there, mix everything up real nice and let it sit at a you know low heat, like a low, medium, low, keep warm, whatever your setting is while your beans are boiling. I got all this prepared concurrently in parallel, some might say. All right. Once your beans are done, done boiling, like I said, drain those off, reserve two cups of that liquid and uh, we're going to build up the sauce in the in the Dutch oven before we put the beans in there, okay? So we're going to add the paprika, the apple cider vinegar, the salt and pepper, the, uh, the coconut sugar or brown sugar, the tomato paste, the Worcestershire sauce, the, uh, the bay leaves, and the maple syrup or 
molasses, whatever you choose. Now, there is one ingredient that is missing here, and that is yellow mustard. You're going to also add that at this point. But um, concurrently with the baked bean recipe, I also made a homemade yellow mustard, which that recipe will also be in the show notes. And the process for making yellow mustard is really simple. I will make an aside here for, you know, no, I'm not going to put it in here. I will insert the yellow, or not insert, I will say, I will talk the yellow mustard recipe once uh, we finish the baked bean recipe up there. But yellow mustard is part of the ingredients that go into the baked beans, all right? So get all those together in the, the the Dutch oven with a wooden spoon or a plastic spoon. I like to use a wooden spoon, especially with the enamel Dutch oven, no metal utensils in there. Mix that up real nice. And it's going to be, you know, a reddish brown sort of sauce, kind of vibrant, a little bit more vibrant than your canned baked beans. And um, then you're going to add your beans in there and toss them, stir them, get the, get the sauce from the bottom up to the top and get it all nicely incorporated add that two cups of bean water to hydrate everything. Now this, when this goes into the oven, it's going to, uh, those beans are going to continue absorbing a lot of liquid to the extent that you might have to add some liquid later on, like check it after an hour, maybe after two hours. We're going to, we're going to have this in the oven for three to four hours baking. So there's a lot of time available there that if it's getting a little dry, you can add more water. You could add chicken stock. You could, uh, you know, use a little bit more tomato paste and chicken stock to thicken it up into like a sauce and add that in there as well, just to keep it hydrated and going. Um, but like I said, mix all that up, cover it, put it into a 325 degree oven. And, uh, we're going to let that go for between three and four hours. It's kind of one of those things where it'll be done, quote unquote, done between two and a half and three hours. But if it, because it's covered, it's holding all that moisture in there in the form of steam, you'll be okay if you let that run um, an extra hour. You kind of get this started early and then you get all the other food done. And then this just sort of is ready whenever you're ready for it. Okay. So get that in the oven. Like I said, check it after one hour and then check it after two hours. And then by that point, you should probably have a pretty good handle on, you know, how much liquid you needed to add and uh, you can just let it run for the rest of the time. Now, midway through that checking process, you're going to open it up and be like, all right, smells great, looks great, but, but doesn't look like there's like enough sauce. You know what I mean? It's going to look, the beans are a little white. Uh, The sauce is a little uh, scant for what we have going on here. Keep it going. Let it run. Something will happen. Whether it's uh, the caramelization of the sugars, like if it gets to a point where it blooms with this beautiful red brown mahogany color, or if it's a thing where the beans are going to absorb a lot of water and then through the cooking process, at some point it's going to release some of that moisture, which is going to rehydrate the sauce or whatever. Point is when I checked it at, at hour two, I was thinking, you know, it looks like it might be a little low on the sauce side, you know, like it was, are we going to have to dress this up a little bit? But when I opened it up uh, at hour three, it was it was a completely different product. It was like, wow, where did all this come from? So keep that in mind. There is like a, a transformation that happens through the duration of the cooking process. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk about making yellow mustard here because you don't need very much. I think the recipe. Uh, well, you check the show notes, but it might be like a teaspoon or a tablespoon or something like that. So it's like, why are we making? 
why are we making a jar of homemade yellow mustard? Just use a tablespoon of it. Well, because we're also not just eating baked beans on the 4th of July, man. We're having hamburgers or cheeseburgers or whatever. And it's a very mustard-heavy holiday. Um, and I, I was going to say, ironically, you know, French's mustard, must, ugh, French's mustard. But if you think about the American Revolution, it was the, the newly formed United States and the great European country of La France against the uh, British Empire. So French's mustard, of course, of course, mustard would focus, would factor heavily in the 4th of July uh, culinary celebrations. But, okay, so this mustard is super simple. When you make this, it will look almost exactly like the cheapest dollar store yellow mustard. And that is a good thing. You know, that's one of the, that's like when you make hot dogs and somebody says, wow, this tastes exactly like what I could buy at the gas station. You're like, thank you. Thank you. That's the highest praise because you're saying that my hot dog tastes like a hot dog. And this is going to look exactly like uh, yellow mustard, but the flavor, the flavor is going to be a little bit earthier because we are using like Coleman's ground mustard powder or McCormick or so, just basically a, a ground mustard powder is the base. And it's it's going to be very mustardy and flavored to begin with. Okay, so what we're doing is we're start off on the stovetop in a, a saucepan, one cup of water, uh, three quarters of a cup of dry mustard powder, Coleman's or McCormick or you know, I don't know, whatever the one is in the green bottle. I, I always have Coleman's because it's used in charcuterie, like making sausages, whatever. Three quarters of a teaspoon. You know, less than a teaspoon of salt. Um, you could use sea salt, kosher salt, whatever. I, st I use that pink mineraly salt that we always use for everything else. Not going to have a uh, like a, an impact on the color or the flavor or anything. Sometimes you do have to be careful with salts that you're not using something that has a lot of impurities in it because um, you want like just pure sodium chloride. This you don't need to worry about that for this. A half teaspoon of ground turmeric. It's amazing. The turmeric is is the color. Uh, it's bringing the color to the party. Okay, and it's amazing how little of it you need to get like a really good bang for your buck. And turmeric is uh, uh, it does have a flavor. I mean, I can detect it, but in the mustard, it's just there for that vibrant yellow, yellow, yellow color. Yeah, vibrant yellow color. Yes, the vibrant yellow color. The ground turmeric. One teaspoon of, um, no, I'm sorry, a half teaspoon of granulated garlic or garlic powder or whatever. A quarter, a quarter to an eighth. Yeah, basically, once you get down under a half teaspoon, it's kind of hard to, it's like an eighth of a teaspoon. Seriously? Like I do have a, I have a half teaspoon measuring thing. And most of the time I'm like, hey, do I need to go down to an eighth or can I just use uh, some of a half? In this case, I use some of a half teaspoon of paprika and then a half cup of white distilled vinegar. What you're going to do is start off in the saucepan with the water, the dry mustard, the salt, the turmeric, the garlic powder, and the paprika, not the vinegar, not the vinegar. Vinegar joins the party later. Whisk that up until it's nice and smooth. And it'll probably, it'll be fairly uh, fairly mustardy colored at this point, but maybe just have like a little bit of a flat uh, 
beige sort of overcast to it. But yeah, mix that up till it's nice and smooth and then turn it on to a, a simmer, you know, medium, maybe start off medium high and then back it down to medium. And we're going to simmer that and reduce it until it gets into like a thicker paste, uh, thicker than what your jarred mustard consistency would be because we're going to basically dilute this and thin it out with the vinegar and that's going to be like the last step that punches it up and gives it the the final flavor but one thing you want to be careful of as you're simmering this as it thickens up into a paste uh those bubbles like whenever it's liquidy it's going to simmer real nice. The bubbles will form, they'll pop, it'll make a nice little foam on the top. But as it loses that moisture and as the moisture gets absorbed into, I mean, dry mustard powder is just ground mustard seed. So that's going to absorb a lot of the moisture. And as it does that, it's going to thicken up. And then those bubbles are going to start shooting little drops of mustard all over your kitchen. And let me tell you what, I, it took me a couple minutes to realize what was happening. I was like, where is this mess coming from? And it is from the simmering mustard. So I turned it down and just uh, took it under a simmer for a little while, just kept it hot. So a little bit of steam was coming off the top. Anyway, once you, you've got it down to like a paste, stir in your distilled vinegar and then bring it up to a simmer again. And you're going to reduce it a little bit because it's going to be a little wet at this point, but uh, you're just going to reduce it until it gets to the point where you're like, hey, that looks like mustard, right? And it's going to smell like mustard. It's going to be, it's gonna, it's wonderful. It's very nice. It just has, it has less of that like tangy <laughs> flavor, you know, whenever you get some French's on your tongue, that's kind of what you do. Um, it's a little bit closer. Not, it's not Dijon, but it's like, it's informed by Dijon. Like it, it it's, it, it was an understudy to Dijon. It was an apprentice to Dijon. Um, but it's real nice. It's like a sophisticated yellow mustard. But anyway, uh, once that's done, you let it cool a little bit. You can put it into a jar or a bottle or whatever. I put it in just like a half pint ball jar and screw the lid on. And listen, I'm not giving you advice on canning here. And I didn't look this up at all. I'm just kind of going from the seat of my pants because one, it was jarred up hot and two, it has a bunch of vinegar in it. It's probably pretty safe as a condiment, but you might, you know, want a water bath can that or something. I don't know. Look at your, look at your ball jar canning guide, whatever, to see what is the safe way to do it, but uh, I don't think you have to worry too much about botulism and homemade mustard. But anyway, that is that. So that's mustard and uh, the baked beans. Baked beans were fantastic. I did definitely did them in the Dutch oven, in the oven, uh, and then when they came out, I spooned them with a plastic serving spoon into the uh, 1974 era brown bean pots. At, uh, I don't know. Does anybody else have that? It feels like everybody, everybody who was alive in the seventies probably had these. And then anybody who is uh, of the eighties, of the nineties, of the two thousands. Oh my God, I'm so old. Um, probably has no idea what the heck I'm talking about. But there's little brown stoneware crockery bean pots, and they're really cool. I make. French onion soup in them because they make nice little soup bowls. And yeah, baked beans. I mean, I, I have a dish, a, a piece of serv service ware, serving ware, that is specifically for baked beans. And I, I, I've eaten baked beans, I think, twice in the last year. So it's not like this is an everyday sort of thing. I'm not sure why I have that. I know I have it. It's because my mother-in-law gave it to us. 
<laughs> but, 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 I digress. Um, but anyway, it's it's really cool. Uh, the bean's fantastic, and uh, you know, it's all it's all stuff that you would have. It's ingredients that you recognize and and no nonsense or preservatives. Because I mean, come on. The reason that stuff's in there is so that you can buy a can of baked beans that was manufactured in 1998. But it's like, come on, I know these take a long time, you know, more or less two days to prepare. But once you've made them, you've made them, and it's not that difficult. It's very passive. All right. Have a happy 4th of July, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>